Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalam ala rasulillah, amma ba'd. And welcome to the IFG Tafsir session 11. And uh, today we've got it um, focused on uh, a very pertinent practical verse, which is talking all about the uh, the practical way that we do business uh, and uh, and how we should be conducting ourselves as Muslims first and foremost and and the ethics that we should uphold when we are um, conducting our business and then secondly we'll talk a little bit about the the tafsir uh, behind this verse and also the the aspects of bribery that come into this and what does Islam say about things like can you give a bribe if uh, it is the custom of that place to give a bribe or, or what what do you do in a situation where um, in order to uh, get something done that you are absolutely in need of and the only way to get it done is to give a bribe can you give a bribe or not um, and then but before all of that what we really want to talk about is how do you conduct yourself on eBay how do you conduct yourself on Gumtree what what about in your day-to-day -day affairs when you go down to the local shop and you buy and sell fruit or um, you go um, and get your I don't know your uh, laptop repaired or your car repaired how is a Muslim uh, customer supposed to behave but also really importantly how is a Muslim businessman supposed to behave um, as well so without further ado, let's get into the verse itself. And this is the verse uh, in Surah Baqarah, um, verse 188. And it talks about, rajim. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ بِالْبَاطِلِ وَتُدْلُوا بِهَا إِلَى الْحُكْمِ وَتُدْلُوا بِهَا إِلَى الْحُكَّامِ لِتَأْكُلُوا فَرِيقًا مِّنْ أَمْوَالِ النَّاسِ بِالْإِثْمِ وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh, and do not consume one another's wealth unjustly, or spend it, or send it in bribery to the rulers in order that they may aid you to consume a portion of the wealth of the people in sin, while you know it is unlawful. So Allah says, do not eat your wealth, one another's wealth, unjustly. So that each other's wealth, Muslim's wealth, or it could be non-Muslim's wealth, but do not eat um, each other's wealth or send it in bribery. So there's two things. One is do not eat others. Uh, do not eat each other's wealth in uh, in injustice. And secondly, do not take bribes. And then uh, the specific um, aspect of that is do not take bribes. Why? So that these rulers, they may give uh, verdicts in your favor or that these rulers, um, it, it, it facilitates a consumption of the people's wealth that really it was not yours to take or the rulers to take in sin while you know it is unlawful. So um, crucially, there is a knowledge requirement here that if you if you are sincere in your if you are sincere and you end up doing something wrong, then this is a separate story. But if you know that what you're doing is completely wrong and you still go ahead and do it, that is the kind of thing that we are talking about here today. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has um, set out this and a number of other verses in the Quran that deal with ethics when it comes to um, our religious, our business affairs. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I mean, this is, this is an incredibly serious topic. Uh, we interact and transact day to day, every day, and um, we don't blink an eyelid when we do that. But actually, these things are 
what make up incrementally our behavior uh, and our character because our individual actions become our habits and then our habits become our character and then our habit and our character then becomes our personality and our destiny right uh, when uh, you look at a man who's 65 70 years old and he has become of a certain kind of person that isn't something that he has become overnight that is um, what has resulted from a lifetime of living in that way and you often find that elderly people they become almost extreme versions of their prior selves as uh, as in their in the peak of their lives and so we need to think about how it is that we are going to conduct how how it is that we are conducting ourselves right now because when it comes to our afterlife that is when uh, all of this will be held to account and when it comes to our elderly age we will see what we have become so may Allah protect us firstly from the uh, the trial and the tribulations of old age, uh, but also secondly may Allah protect us from um, the, the hellfire and um, engaging in transactions that are um, unjust and engaging in uh, business in a way that uh, brings upon the curse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon us. So Prophet ﷺ, he says, Allah will not speak to three types of people on the Day of Judgment, nor will he look at them, nor purify them, and they will have a severe punishment. And amongst these types of people, he mentioned first uh, a few others, but then he mentioned specifically in relation to business, those who swear falsely in order to sell their goods. And this is in Sahih Muslim. So anyone who has ever put uh, an item on Gumtree, anyone who has ever sold a car on Autotrader, anyone who has ever sold something on eBay, anyone who has ever sold something on Facebook Marketplace, whenever you have sold something, you might have even sold your house, whenever you sell something, there is a principle in English law that you, uh, the buyer must be aware because it, you know the good is as the buyer finds it. And so once you've bought it, and if you bought it with defects, then tough, then you have to live with it. But Islam is different because in Islam, um, you uh, you have a responsibility as the buyer, uh, sorry, as the seller to actually uphold a certain standard when you are selling. You mustn't hide the defects of that good that you're selling. You mustn't say, oh, you know, you know that this house is a major central heating problem and say, oh, no, actually the central heating is great. It works perfectly fine. Oh, this car, uh, you know that it hasn't had its uh, service done or when it had its service done, there was a bunch of issues with it. But you say, look, its service history is right here. Um, it's everything's there for you to check out. Um, and, you know, this is this has worked really great for me there's been absolutely no problems um, or when you sell a good a, se a second-hand good on eBay uh, you might be I don't know switching your um, uh, camera for another camera because this particular camera has certain uh, drawbacks that has led you to go for another camera and uh, you don't necessarily when you're coming to sell this camera you don't necessarily talk about the the drawbacks to this camera you just sell the the upside and you really emphasize that and then there are then then there is an extension to this, which is what Prophet is saying: Allah will not speak to these people. He will not look at them. He will not purify them, and they will have a severe punishment. So this is this is pretty serious stuff. And who is this kind of person? This is the person who swears falsely in order to sell their goods. He says, "Wallahi, this good this car is." 
perfectly uh, perfectly running and it has not had a single problem in its entire life. Wallahi, this is not an ex-accident uh, car. Wallahi, this fruit that I have got is straight from the market. It's not just from you know the shop down the road from what they left over yesterday. Wallahi, uh, this uh, watch that I'm selling is the real original thing. And, and you and I both know that there are many Muslims out there who do this sort of thing. And I hope that not a, no, none of our audience um, do this sort of thing, but it's really easy to slip into. Uh, and it's especially easy to slip into when you're, um, when you're selling secondhand goods and you're desperate to, to sell it. And um, for those of you who run businesses, this is something that you need to be super, super careful about. Because what happens in a business is you're selling that same good multiple times. And you realize that oh you know this one time I told a bit of a white lie and this one time it kind of worked right and people believed me uh, and uh, they seem to be uh, they seem to be taken in by what I said and so because of that you tell that sing that that same small lie again and then you build on it and you might be saying oh this cloth was uh, is the same cloth is the same kind of cloth that was put on the Kaaba for example and people are like whoa okay let's buy this and then you next time you it goes a little bit further and you might say this is the actual cloth from the Kaaba I've, I've sourced a supplier and and then that 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 story builds and then the person who you sold it to tell someone else and they come and they say I've heard that this you are the sole supplier of this cloth from the Kaaba and um, and you know this is the best of that cloth and you uh, and you you have paid a lot of money for but because you've got a good deal you can get it get it to us for cheap and you know the story builds and you say well yeah of course that, you know, this was me guys I mean I I sourced this cloth from the Kaaba and and it becomes really easy when you're a businessman um, and you're uh, selling goods day to day for this to really build up uh, and and this becomes hugely problematic um, so Let's let's think about it in a, in a in a um, systematic way. What I want to talk about here, uh, in terms of you know, do not uh, consume your wealth falsely or unjustly between you. I want to talk a little bit about companies and a little bit about how there are so many little or big frauds in our community and how this is completely unacceptable and and look frankly i'm not going to be uh, i think a lot of our audience inshallah are not fraudsters but um, a lot of our audience will um, know people who perhaps this applies to and when you know with the miracle of the the baraka of these cameras and uh, podcasts what what i'm saying inshallah can reach to people who perhaps um, you know this can have an impact on and then the second thing I want to focus on is uh, employees. How do we conduct ourselves as employees at work, which I'm sure will apply to a lot of the people that uh, are listening into this. Um, how do we conduct ourselves at work and are we truly upholding our side of this contractual bargain? Because if we are not, if we are, um, if we are uh, consuming the wealth of another unjustly, which is what we're doing when we take our salaries, um, then that is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has warned against in this verse. And then finally, we'll talk a little bit about car insurance and you know what we have to enter into is in our details and how far you can push that uh, and also the various daily, daily interactions that we can have um, that, that involve um, buying and selling. And then finally, we'll touch upon bribes and sweetheart deals and uh, thinking about conflicts of interest so let's let's think about some of the companies and I, I came across some really quite 
crazy examples um, of uh, Muslim fraudsters uh, in the UK. You just Google it, right? Uh, this is uh, the bread and butter of the Daily Mail. But actually, there's a lot of people uh, in, you know, uh, in the Northwest. Uh, some of the stories were out of Blackburn, Bolton, Yorkshire. Uh, these these people have been uh, super evil. They have been uh, defrauding elderly people. They've been defrauding Muslims, non-Muslims. I mean, some of the biggest frauds that happen are around Hajj. People will literally pay three, four, five, six thousand pounds to Muslims over the phone because they have been promised a great Hajj package. Now, this is this is someone's uh, life saving sometimes and they've saved up to go to Hajj to fulfill this pillar of our religion. And the person at the end of the line is a Muslim. He knows exactly what Hajj is. He sold it properly. He knows the ins and outs. You know, he knows that you have to go to Mina, Muzdalifa, Arafat, etc. He knows exactly what's going on uh, and, and how uh, he speaks the vernacular of the Muslim. And then when it comes to it, when the ticket's supposed to be sent, the ticket doesn't turn up. And this person has been defrauded 5,000, 6,000, 10,000 pounds. And millions, by the way, millions are spent on Hajj and Umrah every single year. And so these frauds are at a massive proportion. And the, the Met and various other police forces have warned against this. Such is the extent of these kind of frauds. And who are the people who are doing these frauds? It's Muslims who are doing these frauds. Who, I mean, this is, it just boggles one's mind. And, and look, you and I might be thinking that, look, we're, we're not committing frauds. Why is it that, uh, you know, this is, this is not applicable to us. This verse is not applicable to us because we're sat here uh, and, and we've never uh, defrauded anyone. Uh, and that's true. But then part of that responsibility, quite frankly, does come back to us. Because what, what did it, why is it that that person has been led into um, that kind of decision making? Uh, and and the, there's a common commonality between these things. The first is they're from an impoverished background. They may be in a community that um, has really struggled post um, uh, the uh, you know the collapse of the clothing and um, the mining etc. and the, uh, the steel in industries up north. Um, they will be from communities where there's a lack of education, both uh, secular, the you know the uh, modern age normal education, but also the religious education. There is a complete dearth of that, and uh, th the only way really to make money in these communities is either crime, insurance frauds, drugs is a big one, um, and uh, and you uh, and that's the really you know easy ways of making big money. And there's no role models in that community. And you and I, um, you know, frankly, very middle class Muslims um, can feel smug that we have never committed fraud. But we should be we should take ownership of our community. Right. Uh, the Muslimun, the believers. And this is what um, the New Zealand prime minister said this month, uh, this week. She said the, there is a there is a hadith. The prophet said the Muslimun, the believers are are like one body. If a section of it aches and, and pains, the whole of the body feels that pain. The whole of the body cries out and aches because of that pain. These are our brothers and sisters. These are our brothers and sisters. 
uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says you have to have you have to do amr bil ma'roof wa nahi anil munkar. You have to believe in your heart that it's wrong. You have to say with your tongue it's wrong. You have to do with your actions to stop these people from doing that. I ask you sincerely think about it. How many of us have even thought it's wrong? done said something about it or actively done something about it how many of us are thinking about how do we change these impoverished communities that we have you know 44 percent of muslims in the uk today um, are living in the 10 percent poorest constituencies in the uk this is our community half of our community are very young and very poor and they are, as a result of that, a natural corollary of that turning to crime. And this is why you see stories like this. This is our responsibility. If we had fulfilled our responsibility by fixing up this community, by um, spending money in that community, thinking about um, how to raise aspiration, how to raise education, how to raise entrepreneurship, how to drive um, funding and how to drive um, uh, investment into these areas. If we thought about all of that, then at least we would have some grounds to stand on when we are smug uh, today. And I say this to myself as well, frankly, when, when I talk about this, uh, when we think that, you know, because we have not committed any fraud, then this is, uh, you know, we are somehow protected um, from any accusation here. So... So, so, so that there's a whole bunch of uh, frauds that have been committed, uh, people who are delivering goods that have gone off, trying to sell goods that are bad, buying damaged goods and selling up at a marked up price, not paying suppliers on time. I mean, this is something that companies do often in the Muslim community. I have um, personal friends and relatives who work uh, day in, day out in the halal food industry, uh, but also other industries. And wherever there is a supply chain, there is a trend in the Muslim community where people will not pay up on time. People will not uh, make sure that their suppliers get what they need at the right time. And, and this is a huge problem, right? This is, uh, this is such a, a challenge for the Muslim, uh, Muslim uh, halal food industry. Because if you have defaulted, uh, on your um, on your debt that you're supposed to pay uh, this uh, seller of yours. So, for example, let's say you buy um, halal meat that you get slaughtered, and you buy that in bulk, and then you sell it on. If you haven't paid the person who slaughtered the meat, the abattoir, if you haven't paid that abattoir, and that abattoir doesn't get that money within 30 days, then that abattoir, possibly within 30 to 60 days, uh, because it's such a cash flow driven business could go bust that person's livelihood could come to an end and he could go bankrupt and he could lose potentially millions of pounds because you have decided in your selfishness that you're not going to pay that debt on time and it could be that you're struggling but more but more likely it is simply because you just delay and you don't pay your debts on time and that is quite frankly deeply, deeply immoral uh, when you know how important it is to pay your debts and pay your dues on time. And this applies for all of us as Muslims. Uh, and there are Muslims out there, um, you know who, who, who you are, um, 
where you don't pay your debts on time, where you're very relaxed about accounting for uh, your, you know, your debts that you have. It even applies at university, you know, where there, there's there was always that one guy who always seems to be sponging off other people and doesn't pay their money back uh, and doesn't pay the, the, you know, his friends back if they cover for him to buy some food or whatever. There's always that one guy. If if that's you, then that's uh, then that's an issue, right? Because uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He wants you to not eat other people's wealth unjustly. Uh, and, and, and there's many other cases where, uh, you know, these companies, they, these days, they put everything in the fine print. Everything's in the terms and conditions that no one reads. When you are trying to, when you are trying to deceive someone actively by hiding things in your terms and conditions, by putting really onerous clauses in your terms and conditions, then that is, in my view, quite a, um, very much a form of deceit. And if, if that is your intention, if that's what you're doing, if that's how you're messing people over, then this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is strongly against. And then you've got builders and, you know, all of us have stories about how builders, uh, you know, they, they uh, conduct themselves. But so many Muslim builders are like this as well. And Muslim builders, unlike non-Muslim builders, unfortunately, they don't really like writing up contracts and they won't play they won't pay the vat they will be they'll want their uh, their money in cash they will um uh, and they will cut corners and you probably have to end up paying more of afterwards at the end when you have to get it fixed but this is a characteristic of a muslim businessman but particularly a muslim businessman in the working class kind of sphere uh, of, of business and and that is really sad that that is the standard that we that we have created for ourselves, and this is a point that I've made a few times before, but I think it's important to make again. When you conduct business your this way, you lose social capital. You lose the attractiveness of you as an in individual to be a counterparty in a transaction. People don't want to come to you and do business with you because they know you're a bit of a crook. You're, you're a bit of a cheat, and when that happens, when that when that uh, narrative and that uh, uh, track record and uh, and that reputation develops you end up losing business and in the long term you will not succeed in business or you will remain a stunted business because of the way that you conducted yourself so this is not only um, something that is uh, sinful in Islam it's something quite frankly that's going to be affecting your business and it's affecting not only your business but it's going to be affecting the community's businesses because when you say a muslim builder is like this like i am saying just now then that that is uh, a, a, a that's an experience and a conclusion that you have come from uh, come to after an interaction with one or two builders but unfortunately because of those one or two bad eggs unfortunately the way human beings are we tar the whole community with that brush and and so your responsibility as a builder ex extends far more than just that one um uh, you know that one individual i.e yourself it extends to the wider community and this applies to each and every one of us in all our various trades and how we conduct ourselves as well and uh, not paying VAT, not uh, not wanting to pay, uh, not wanting to take card payments because you want to uh, get all of the money in cash uh, 
extracting profit from companies by setting up a whole extended family. You know, you've got your your Dada in uh, Pakistan and your uh, Chachi in uh, Kuala Lumpur, and they're all shareholders in this uh, company of yours. And you've got six or seven company cars, and you're milking them for uh, all of the different tax dodges that you can possibly think of. And you know, you've got some kind of your uh, there's a non-existent uncle in uh, the Cayman Islands who is being employed and is like loaning a load of money to this company look guys this is um, and particularly by the way this cash payment and this VAT stuff and this extracting money from companies by using extended family this is stuff that if you were you know to go to HMRC and ask them what do you guys think about this HMRC what do you think they would say uh, would they say fantastic Faisal this is brilliant stuff we love you um, you know you, you're uh, trying to minimize the tax that you pay potentially tax tax fraud um, great you know this is what we believe of course not the HMRC would say great thank you for telling us let's let's take you to, to court and you and I both know that this would happen so if we know what we're doing is illegal and, and definitely immoral then why why are we doing it why are we doing it? Uh, it's looking after, number one, ourselves. Um, but the issue with that is that that cuts against um, our religion and our, um, and our standards of morality. And um, it's easy, you know, when, when it's the government on the other end to feel that it's not real, really an injustice because the government, I pay loads of taxes anywhere, don't I, bruv? I pay VAT, I pay uh, the value-added tax and everything I, I buy. I, I pay my taxes from work. My payee system will automatically deduct a load of um, wealth. So it's all right if I do a few dodges here or there. No, it's not. Why is it all right? You have, um, you have agreed to live in this country, abide by the laws of this country. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not say you should steal off a government just because it's a government. It doesn't matter who the other side is. If you have, uh, if you are going to live in a country, you have to abide by its laws and, and you have to uh, agree uh, by, live, to live by the transactions and the contracts that you, that you sign up to. So, um, so that's really companies. I don't want to uh, bang on too long about companies. Um, but employees, right? All of us are employees, uh, or a lot of us are. But... How many Muslim employees will turn up late? Think about it. The Muslim employee is a guy who turns up late, who uh, won't really put in all of his effort. And if you're hiring someone, um, often you you might think, you, you will know as a Muslim businessman that the non-Muslim will most likely be more professional. The non-Muslim will most likely put in a lot more effort and have a, a, a higher work ethic. Not always. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that Muslims are all bad at all. Uh, and and part of this, by the way, is you know, it's not me saying that you guys are all bad. Part of me is trying to encourage our community and myself first and foremost. I mean, all of this applies to me as well um, to raise our game because we as a community have a higher standard by which we must live live to. So we're we're late. We don't put in our effort like we should do. We miss deadlines. And this is, I'm talking about employees. Um, we, uh, especially in the public sector, there is such a chilled out attitude. You're chilling out using money that the taxpayer has paid for. You're chilling out using money that you and I um, 
you know, the ordinary man has paid for and they expect a service from you and you're just chilling out and relaxing. That's just unacceptable. Chatting away, long cigarette breaks, long water breaks, long food breaks, long toilet breaks, um, walking from one place to another, having another chat. This is, it all adds up guys, it all adds up. You think that this one chat at the water cooler um, is fine, but then that adds up one after another, after another. And then suddenly you, you have people at work who they'll, they'll be there for eight hours a day. But of that eight hours, how many hours of that have they actually done an honest day's work? Not very many at all. Stealing from the workplace. People do this all of the time, scrounging this and that, goods, stationery, etc. from the workplace. If that is not something that is an acceptable policy within your workplace, I know certain larger workplaces, they allow a little bit um, that you know you can use in your uh, as a necessity. Um, but printing off, uh, you know, textbooks at work is not something that you should you should be engaging in, and having an attitude of just take 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 rather than give. You are an employee. You have agreed to come to this company and help this company do what it is there to do, which is do business and make profit or whatever the aim of that company is, and you need to be pulling in that same direction for that company. Uh, and particularly if you work for a Muslim business or you work for a Muslim charity uh, or you work for a Muslim institution that's doing good, you need to be going that extra mile every single time because this is then not just uh, a livelihood. This is uh, the trust of the community that uh, that has been bestowed upon you through the wealth um, uh, that that has come to you through charities that have, you know, the charitable donations that people have made to that institution. That's a huge trust. Uh, and as employees, I think we often overlook that, um, and um, and we and we really uh, miss miss the wood for the trees when we think that all of this, uh, all of these ayahs and these te teachings about business ethics do not apply to us as employees, because actually the employment contract is a contract, it's a business transaction, uh, and the majority of us will spend uh, at least a third to about half of our day engaging in these transactions. And if that's not correct, if that's not up to scratch, then believe you me, we, ha we will have a problem um, on the Day of Judgment. And then we've got... Um, the third, uh, the third area that I wanted to touch upon in this first section of the verse, which is do not eat each other's wealth in, uh, in, in justice. And this is our daily interactions with uh, each other and um, in small business matters. Don't lie. You know, don't scam people. Don't even negotiate too hard. The Prophet said, by the way, do negotiate. That's perfect. It's not impermissible to negotiate hard. But the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Rahimallahu abdan, samhan idha ba'a, samhan idha shtara, samhan idha qtada. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful upon that servant. I mean, look at that term of endearment. Upon that servant who is uh, lenient and um, beneficent. He is kind and generous when it comes to buying, when it comes to selling, and when it comes to litigating or trying to get a debt out of someone. He is someone who is um, forgiving and lenient and he allow, He says, allow it, that's fine, don't worry, relax. That's his attitude when he buys and he sells and he litigates or, he, or he's trying to get a debt out of someone. That's the way of the Muslim. Allah says he will be merciful to that person. What more 
do we want, quite frankly, than the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that is the standard. That is a standard. So don't even negotiate, frankly, too hard. And I, and I see that in, in business myself. Um, and, you know, I try, I try to adopt that. And I think my, my dad particularly is actually really good at this. Uh, that might just be because, he, you know, he's not, he doesn't really like negotiating. But, but he's very kind uh, when he negotiates. Uh, and don't take advantage of people. I'll, I'll tell a story about this. My dad uh, bought a car off um, a friend of ours, or, or not necessarily a friend, but a member of the Muslim community in that area who was moving abroad. So he was in a bit of a desperate situation and he needed to sell his car quickly. And he was selling his car at a reasonable price uh, for a thousand pounds, I think, at the time. And my dad didn't negotiate with him. He, he could have easily knocked off about 300 pounds and um, got that car for 30% cheaper, but he didn't. And that car lasted us for years. That car was the same car that I would get changed into the back of and eat my dinner and be dropped off to the madrasa. I mean, there was a lot of barakah in that car as well and a lot of food stains. And that car lasted us. And, you know, my dad did not take advantage of uh, that man. And I think my dad fell into this very hadith. Rahimallahu abdan, samhan idha ba'a, samhan idha shtara, samhan idha qtada. He didn't negotiate hard. And I'm not saying at all, by the way, that do not negotiate at all. Uh, there is a time and a place to negotiate. Don't go to Morocco and pay 20 times the, the price of whatever item it is that you're buying. That's on the that's on the sellers, by the way, as well, that they shouldn't be doing that. Um, so don't be fooled um, by others. But at the same time, don't try and get that last margin that you can out of every individual because that's not the way of the Muslim. Uh, don't misrepresent your assets. Don't take advantage of others' hardship. Don't misrepresent the truth. Don't create false urgency. And this is an important one, right? And this is something that Mohsin and I, we think about a lot because um, with when, we, when, we're selling, when we're selling courses, we can't just say to people that we're going to raise the prices tomorrow and then not raise them. There needs to be a, a reason for how we are, um, you know, how we how we conduct ourselves. And the way we approach it is, so we've got a Halal Investing for Busy Professionals course right now that's launching on June the 15th. And the way we've done it is we've incrementally uh, reduced the discount uh, as, as, as the course gets more and more complete and as the course gets shot and written up and drafted because right now it's not there yet so there's a discount if you buy it in advance and that discount will go down right to the launch date and when it launches and that's not creating a false urgency that's just a genuine uh, you know discount because it's not 100% ready yet but you're, you're buying it in advance because you'll get a discount and you're buying it because you trust that we know what we're talking about. Um, so, so that's the way we approach that aspect of it, about this creating a false urgency. And don't even set one Muslim off against another one. Uh, there, there are hadith about how you shouldn't outbid a Muslim brother of yours or you shouldn't... Um, you know, get someone to go onto eBay and do false bids for you so that the price of the good goes up because, you know, someone else out there actually really wants that good and, and, uh, and you want the, the price to be driven up. That's not acceptable, guys. That is not good conduct. Um, so don't do that sort of stuff. Um, and then finally, let's talk a little bit about bribes as well. Um, you know, this is obviously not 
the the Muslim way. And the, the definition of this is that in sacred law, it means that which is paid to a judge or a someone similar to a judge in one's favour or to influence him. As one desires, it has also been defined as that which is paid to retiate a right guaranteed by sacred law or to secure a right not recognized by the sacred law. And so uh, Ibn Abbas said that this ayah is about the indebted person when there is no evidence of a loan. So he denies taking that loan and the case goes to the authorities. And even though this person knows that it is not his money and that he is a sinner, he is consuming uh, what is not allowed for him. He just kicks up a fuss. And look, this is this is stuff that happens uh, often, I find, in car insurance cases where you know deep down that this was your fault. You know that uh, it may not even be deep down. It might, it might be really obvious. You know this was your fault. And yet you do not accept that it was your fault. You, If, if you are in a car accident and it's a minor car accident, as most of them are, and it's been your fault, then the Muslim stands up and he says, that was my fault, and either we can sort this out outside of insurance, and I will pay for whatever you need to get done, and you know, do send me the receipt so I can see what it's all about, or uh, we go through insurance and we, we take that hit. The Muslim way is not to say, uh, after having some crashed into someone when it was clearly their right of way, that it was your fault, and um, I mean, this is something that happened to my wife, where the person who was a Muslim with a beard started recording her and tried to get her um, to say that this was somehow her fault, even though he you know, clearly crashed into her from the left when it was clearly her right of way. And, um, and that's the kind of conduct that you know, is, is just not acceptable in our day-to-day -day, um, day -day transactions. Um, and then we've got uh, other ahadith. Um, from people like Abdur uh, or, or statements of the the um, uh, Aslaf, Qatada, Suddi, uh, Ikrima, um, Al Hassan, uh, Mujahid, Saeed ibn Jubair, they all say, "Do not dispute when you know that you are being unjust." And the Prophet Sallam he said that when 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 a case came to him, I'm only a human being. You people present your cases to me, and as some of you may be more eloquent and persuasive in presenting his argument, and I might issue a judgment in his benefit. So if I give a Muslim's right to another, I am really giving him a piece of fire, so he should not take it. When you know that you're perhaps more eloquent, or you've, you've, um, you're a lawyer and you've um, uh, set up the case in such a way so that it's in your favour, but you know deep down that that is not something that you should be winning. You know, this is not your uh, right and you are in the wrong. Then don't fight that case. Be honest, uphold uphold the moral, um, you know, the moral right in this situation. Uh, forget the legal, you know, conclusion. The judge may decide whatever, but on the day of judgment, the real judge will decide between us all. And that judge knows absolutely everything. And so, you know, th this, Ayah and this hadith go to prove that a judgment in a court of law does not change the reality of the situation. The ruling doesn't uh, of saying that something is um, uh, something is the you know a, a payment should be made in a certain way does not change what is actually the real case that you and I that you and and the person that you're um, conflicting with both know. Um, so, uh, whenever the the judge decides something wrongly, then that judge will be 
um, will get reward for trying his best and trying to be just. And the person who suffered, he will get his recompense as well on the Day of Judgment and he will get it from you and you will get that sin and you will uh, potentially lose your um, your rewards on that day when uh, rewards will be in uh, at such a high premium. So um, with that, I, I wrap up um, and um, what, what I think I, I would like to give you guys as a take-home practical message is is this next time you're at work really be conscious about what time you turn up what time you leave how much effort you're putting in during the day um as a, as a number one thing so at your employment how how are you conducting yourself and then secondly when you're buying and selling particularly when you're selling make sure that you uphold the highest possible standards even to the point where it feels like you know you're you're just really giving it away. I mean, why would someone sell a good and be genuine about its downsides, guys? This is not about this world. This is about the akhirah, and this is not about um, you and your ten, fifty pound profit. That's not what it's about. This is about the bigger picture. This is about the Muslim community, and this is about earning the rahmah of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So I ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to guide us to the straight path and to make us from amongst those people who Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will bless with His uh, with His mercy uh, when we are um, kindly in our business interactions. Aqulu qawli hada wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum astaghfiru innahu huwa al-ghafurur rahim.